Welcome to Navigating to Net Zero, an inside look from Macquarie Asset Management at what's really involved in transforming their global portfolio of infrastructure, agricultural, and real estate assets to support the transition to a low-carbon and climate-resilient economy and build sustainable long-term value. I'm Rebecca Darst, the host of this series and the founder of Investable Universe. On this episode, how a waste management firm headquartered in Ireland is turning garbage into energy. We'll be speaking with David Tobin, Circular Economy and Sustainability Director for Bopark Utilities, which manages waste across primarily Ireland, the UK, and the Netherlands, and is innovating ways to get the most value out of the items that we throw away. But as you'll hear, just because Bopark is becoming a linchpin in the circular economy, it does not get a free pass for the impact its own operations have on the environment. Bopark's road to net zero began back in the 1990s when a solo entrepreneur named Eamon Waters bought a dumpster truck, what in Ireland is called a skip, and started a business picking up household waste and carting it to landfills. But Waters soon made a lucrative discovery. By taking the skip back to his own shed and manually picking through the contents for recycling, he discovered a new kind of carry trade. He could sell materials for industrial repurposing and lower the cost of the load he'd take to landfill. Like many groundbreaking business ideas, Bopark's was practical, intuitive, and aided by regulatory tailwinds. Around the turn of the millennium, the EU landfill directive took effect across the region, bringing higher costs and stringent controls to waste bound for landfills. This was good news for Bopark, which grew quickly. Its business model based on keeping usable materials out of the ground and put back into the emerging circular economy. Taking out the garbage marks the end of a useful life of an object, but for Bopark, the throwaway moment is the start of a new journey. According to Tobin, some 90% of the waste stream Bopark processes is diverted to recovery or recycling. 10% ends up in the ground. And as the company has continued to assert control of the waste streams it processes, the business has also begun to take over the repurposing processes themselves. Today, Bopark has expanded from residential and commercial waste management operations into recycling and materials recovery, logistics, energy generation, and energy storage. It's pursued emerging technologies like wood-to-energy biomass recycling and anaerobic digestion facilities. And it's grown through a strategy of recent acquisitions, buying up companies like Tyrone Energy, Acumen, B&M Waste, Exomex, Collect, and JWS just in recent months. And Bopark has committed even its most energy-intensive operations to net-zero carbon emissions targets at a time when not just the climate, but the nature of the waste stream itself is rapidly changing, including challenging new chemicals from electronics and battery waste. Bopark has done this not just for the core business, but for the six companies they've acquired in a recent 12-month period. At a time when the two regional markets in which they operate, the EU and UK, are hashing out a complicated political divorce. The other major story tonight, deciding to leave the European Union to go it alone. And they've continued to grow in an environment where everyone seems to agree on the need for lower carbon emissions, but nobody, nobody wants to see, smell, or hear waste management facilities in their own backyard. All right, David Tobin at Bopark, this is going to be an amazing conversation. Thank you for speaking with me today. You're very welcome. As I understand it, the whole Bopark journey started with one person and one dumpster. Take it away. That is correct. And it is a very interesting story. You had a, a an entrepreneur that was working in a local shop and he would collect that waste and bring it to the local landfill. And he would take the dumpster back to a yard 
and he would pick materials out of the dumpster that he could that he could recycle. But his motivation was if he was sending less weight for disposal, he was saving himself money on disposal costs. So that entrepreneur was Eamon Waters, your founder. And it sounds like he invented the circular economy. He was absolutely subconsciously going from a linear economy to a circular one and making money out of it. So since that time, the Bopark has grown aggressively, not just organically, but through acquisitions. We have been on a path of acquisitions for quite a number of years throughout Ireland. We moved into the UK more recently since we were acquired by Macquarie. We've made some much larger acquisitions. Tell us how big your footprint is, not just geographically, but in various uh, energy and waste-related verticals. We're managing 4 million metric tons a year now. Uh, That's as as a waste business. We're also generating about 15 megawatts of electricity. We're a reasonable size on the electricity generation, but we're a very large size in terms of waste uh, management. Ireland's total generation of municipal solid waste is about 2 million tonnes. So between Ireland and the UK, we're managing the equivalent of of twice the size of Ireland's waste. Wow. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners why Bopark has such a great opportunity to move the needle right now in terms of carbon emissions? We've been obsessed about resource recovery, repurposing materials so that we can end up with saleable products rather than a disposal cost. And that's how we're really getting into that space. And it's fantastic that EU policy, Irish policy, UK policy is all going in that direction. And that suits us because that's our expertise. That's what we do. In terms of net zero, we feel that we can offer a really good solution to our customers in terms of their scope three emissions by diverting waste to the lowest possible carbon. So when it comes to carbon emissions cuts or carbon emissions reduction strategies, a company can't do everything all at once, right? I mean, you got to prioritize. The very first thing we're going to do is roll out roof-mounted solar across our fleet of industrial buildings. You're so right. You can't do everything all at once. And this is a really difficult process to get to net zero for society, for business is going to be really challenging. And I'm not sure that people fully understand how challenging it's going to be. We've looked at our business. A lot of our emissions are to do with processing waste because we're using a lot of electricity and then our scope one emissions because we have a lot of fleet movement. We've pretty much found that we have a 50-50 split between scope one and scope two. We've looked at our scope two in particular and our electricity usage. We operate in very large industrial buildings and an unexploited resource that we have is our roof space. Roof-mounted solar, we estimate, will reduce our scope two emissions by about 20%. Now, given how hard it is to reduce your emissions, 20% is a good place to start. One of the things we've looked at on scope one is can we electrify our fleet? So we've started to deploy fully electric dumpster collection vehicles. They're really suited to high density urban environments, city centers, that sort of collection. They struggle on suburban routes and they struggle 
definitely in rural routes. Another aspect we're looking at is concentrating plants side by side so that rather than driving materials from one side to another, you can convey materials from one specialist processing unit into the next. There's a halo around recycling activities, but those are also emissions generating activities and you got to manage that. Yes, absolutely. And that's why the net zero is so challenging. We can't sit on our laurels and say we're an environmental services company focused on the circular economy and recycling. We have to get down and and really get into what are our carbon emissions and how we can influence them. I wonder if you could talk about some of the impactful uh, technologies that could shape the industry going forward, things like uh, anaerobic digestion and developing facilities in that technology. That's certainly a growth area that we're looking at at the moment. Anaerobic digestion is a is an excellent tool to really get the last bit of value from organic material, uh, food waste from farm processes, and it allows you to generate a gas and produce electricity. It now is becoming a very financially logical thing to do to produce a gas from material that would otherwise be sent to landfill and contribute to global warming. If you have an outlet that you can send organic material for anaerobic digestion, you you can take municipal solid waste, you can process it to remove the organic fraction. And that allows you to open up the municipal solid waste in a way that you can actually start harvesting metals and harvesting plastic out of it. And then you have your organic fraction and it, it, okay, it's not the most pleasant material to be dealing with, but you end up with this material that can form a good feedstock for an anaerobic digestion plant. You're putting this organic feedstock into a vat and you have bacteria that live in the absence of oxygen. They digest the organic content, they produce more cells, but as a byproduct, they produce methane gas. You collect the methane gas, it's a flammable material, it goes into a gas engine, you produce electricity. Or increasingly what we're seeing a demand for is that rather than produce the gas for conversion directly into electricity, that gas can be injected into the local gas grid, or it could also be used as a transport fuel. I'm really struck by how uh, Bopark really thinks outside the box and is in a position to think in unusually innovative ways about the use of waste wood and putting waste wood to use. We have a, a waste wood process that we're actually really proud of. This is taking wood that is harvested from house demolitions, from furniture that nobody wants anymore. It's discarded. We process it and make a new product out of it. And that is keeping resources in circulation for longer, which is the center of the circular economy. We run that waste wood from all over Ireland to this centralized processing plant and it recovers plastic, it recovers metal, shreds the material up, and it is then in turn sent as a raw material to a wood pallet manufacturing company. And those products are sold all over the world to logistics companies and quite possibly in a delivery near you, uh, the pallet it's sitting on could be comprised of a wooden material coming from Bow Park's wood processing facility. It sounds like there's an opportunity for Bow Park to sort of diversify its activities by selling products to other companies. Talk about that. One opportunity we see is 
if we take the plastics out, if we take the metals out, if we take the wood out, what are we left with? And one of the things that we're left with is this organic material. And not all of it is suitable for anaerobic digestion. Not all of it is is suitable for composting. But we think there is an opportunity for us to get a little bit more sophisticated in what we do with this organic material and to repurpose it into fuel. The cement industry today, they're looking for a, a lower carbon fuel than their standard fuel, which is coal. So we think we can give them a, a biomass-based carbon neutral fuel derived from the organic material in residual municipal waste. We start with cement. We're very interested in the concept of sustainable aviation fuels that will use the same feedstock. You are involved in waste management and you deal with materials that are you know, not particularly appetizing. Here in the U.S., we call it nimbyism, not in my backyard, where people, you know, maybe they support recycling or, you know, circular waste management strategies theoretically, but they don't want to see it and they don't want to smell it and they don't want to be exposed to it. Is that something that you encounter in the markets in which you operate? Everyone knows fundamentally that they need waste processing, but nobody wants it beside them. I have a new acronym for you, which is BANANA. <laughs> what is, okay, BANANA, what is that? So build absolutely nothing anywhere near anyone. NIMBYism is a challenge for probably very good reasons that our industry historically was all about moving waste uh, into open landfills that cause a lot of problems. We have a big responsibility in our industry to work with communities and to build up that trust and to bring communities along with us. The regulatory environment that you're operating in and whether EU versus UK regulations on something as sensitive and complex as emissions reduction strategies, especially when it comes to things like renewables and biomass, et cetera. Can you talk about how you navigate that environment? You might have had variance in how EU law was transposed into national domestic law, but broadly speaking, you could very much understand the regulatory environment in the Netherlands, the UK and Ireland as being broadly similar. Since the UK has left the EU, we're not really sure how they're going to manage under environmental regulations going forward. A business like ours that's looking to invest in the green space, we can deal with any particular raft of legislation or policy direction, but we need certainty. You need to have a plan of how things will look now for the next five years, 10 years. The area that we would have concern with with the UK, that's what's making it difficult for us to decide what to invest in. Can you talk a little about your data collection strategies and how you monitor the results of all these initiatives that you have going concurrently? Macquarie is bringing coherence to what we're doing. To have much closer measurement of metric, really look and examine performance at a, at a site level, at a material level, uh, from a logistics perspective, from a carbon emissions perspective, and drill into that data and use the data to improve further. Are there any exciting projects that you can, you can disclose to us? What do you have planned? We're working on one now for a recycling project on plastic. That was a big step change for our business. We're now getting into much deeper into making materials, making saleable products, 
having materials that comply with various um, government and international standards. But we're really keen on growing into that space. Now that we've done the hard work of getting our heads around standards and the exacting details for product manufacture, that's the space we're looking to go in. And we are looking at another pretty exciting plastics recycling facility as well. I'm very impressed. David Tobin, thank you for speaking with me today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Final word on how Bopark is bringing neighbors on board as it expands its circular economy activities. Their approach to stakeholder engagement is just as innovative as their sustainability measures, increasingly embracing new media technologies. In addition to a virtual reality-based plant tour that it produced for members of the UK Parliament to see inside a Bopark recycling facility, in October 2022, Bopark staged a Hollywood-style red carpet premiere in the town of Leeds to roll out new recycling bins made of post-consumer plastic, along with a film about the bins. Thank you for listening to an episode of the podcast series Navigating to Net Zero, an inside look from Macquarie Asset Management at what's really involved in transforming their global portfolio of infrastructure, agricultural, and real estate assets to support the transition to a low-carbon and climate-resilient economy and build sustainable long-term value. Until next time. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only, and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed, without independent verification, on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management, MAM, is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. MAM is a full-service asset manager, offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959, Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment. 
nor do they guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.